How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am delighted to have you. You will recall the news from last year. Robert Card was a mass shooter at the end of October of 2023. He was in the military. The Associated Press has a report out. Sean Hodgson watched and worried as his best friend of nearly two decades unraveled. His former roommate and fellow U.S. Army reservist's anger and paranoia were mounting. He had access to guns, and he refused to get help. So Hodgkin did the hardest thing in his life. He sent a text about Robert Card to their shared Army supervisor. I believe he's going to snap and do a mass shooting, he wrote on September 15th. Six weeks later, Card fatally shot 18 people at a bowling alley and a bar in Lewiston, Maine, before killing himself His body was found in a trailer after a two-day search in a region-wide lockdown. I wasn't in his head. I don't know exactly what went on, Hodgson told the Associated Press last week in an exclusive interview, his first since October 25th mass shooting, but I do know I was right. The series of warning signs about Card had been well-documented. In May, relatives warned police that Card had grown paranoid and they expressed concern about his access to guns. In July, Card was hospitalized in a psychiatric unit for two weeks after shoving a fellow reservist and locking himself in a motel room. In August, the Army barred him from handling weapons while on duty and declared him non-deployable. In September, Hodgson raised the most glaring red flag, telling authorities to change the passcode at the gate at their Army Reserve training facility and arm themselves if Card showed up. Please, he wrote, I believe he's messed up in the head. But authorities declined to confront Card. The clearest example of the missed opportunities to intervene and prevent the deadliest shooting in state history. That's hard to swallow for Hodgson, who pushed back against an independent report for law enforcement that described him as over-the-top and alarmist. I did my job. I went over and beyond it. I literally spelled it out for them, said Hodgson, 43, referring to only by his last name and documents related to the case. I don't know how clear I could have gotten. His account, taken together with law enforcement documents, videos, and other interviews, provides the most comprehensive picture to date of potential missteps leading up to the attack. And do you know how 
law enforcement has responded. They've attacked Hodgson, said he's an alcoholic. For much of their friendship, Robert was the sensible one, Hodgson said. They met in 2006 in the Army Reserve, became especially close when they both divorced around the same time. When Hodgson was evicted from his New Hampshire apartment in 2022, Card told him to move to Maine. They lived together for about a month. When Card was hospitalized in New York in July, Hodgson was the one who drove him back to Maine. By then, Hodgson said, Card had begun venting to him about his belief that those around him were accusing him of being a pedophile. Hodgson says there's some truth to this. There's a case of mistaken identity. Another Robert Card is on the state sex offender registry. Hodgson described an incident at a bowling alley when a father snatched his daughter away from Card after he offered the toddler a hello. I always believed him. I always stuck by him. I'm the closest one to Robert Card besides his mother. He pushed everyone away. I was the last one he pushed away. In September, at an af- after a night out at Oxford Casino, Card flipped out, pounding the steering wheel and nearly crashed several times. After Hodgson begged him to pull over, he said Card punched him in the face. We were having a good night, and then he snapped. Hodgson got out at a gas station near his house. They never spoke again. Because Card did not name specific people to threaten, they didn't take Hodgson seriously. Authorities briefly staked out the Army Reserve Center and visited Robert Card's home, but declined to confront him, fearing it would throw a stick of dynamite in a pool of gas, according to a video released last month by the Sheriff's Office. These people in Maine, they all died in a bowling alley. And I don't think reading this that it's a coincidence that Robert Card shot up the bowling alley after a man yanked his child away from Robert Card in a bowling alley, convinced that this Robert Card was the pedophile when it was actually a different one. He was clearly dealing with serious issues, and his family warned the police. And what's remarkable and tragic is that all the warning signs were there and all the laws were there. When gun control activists talk about this issue, they always want to pass more laws, and they ignore that the existing laws have been ignored. Their main had laws that could be used, and they did not use them. Reminds me of the Uvalde tragedy that the all the kids killed in that school in Uvalde, Texas. I say, you say, we all say on the right, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. There were a lot of supposed good guys with guns that day who didn't stop the bad guy with gun until he was finished killing all those kids. There's a, we got a moral rot in this country. These problems are only getting worse. But, you know, the remarkable thing to me, too, is how the, the the left and the media handle these things. They want gun control. They want gun control. But notice the silence of the media after the mass shooting at the Iowa school. Only one child dead. Tragic tragedy, but could have been a lot worse. But it turns out the shooter was a member of the Alphabet Gang. So we've moved on rapidly from that, like Audrey Hale in, in the Covenant shooting. It, it, it's still dumbfounding to me 
that a media that prides itself on the First Amendment and, and they're the fifth estate and, and they're the watchdogs of democracy and the guardians of what is just and true had no intellectual curiosity enough to try to get a copy of Audrey Hale's manifesto. It was left to, to Stephen Crowder to leak it and then the media denounced him for leaking it. And it turns out Hale was just as screwed up as everybody thought and probably struggling with the effects of uh, transit drugs used for transition because Audrey Hale wanted to be Aiden Hale, wanted to change her sex or gender to be a boy. And the media that lectures us on dead naming people and using the personal preferred pronouns of people never once wanted to talk about Audrey Hale undergoing transitioning and, and testosterone injections and the like. Nope, nope, nope. We got to can't talk about that shooting anymore. Nope. Got to move on. We need to find some crazy guy. Here comes guy in the military. Let's focus on that one. Oh, wait, somebody did all the things they were supposed to do to warn and raise the red flags and law enforcement yet again dropped the ball. How many times do we hear that some shooter somewhere has been on the FBI's radar? They're always in the radar, on the radar, and never in jail. How many people die because of it? You can blame the guns all you want, but it's the people who are the problem. The gun itself is an inanimate object only comes alive when there's a person with a finger on the trigger. And this person had his finger on the trigger and committed mass homicide in Maine, and his best friend turned him in, did what he needed to do, filed the report, told him he's going to commit a mass shooting, literally told them this guy is going to commit a mass shooting. Well, did he specifically name targets? Nope. Well, then we're not going to do anything about it. And then they decided to dismiss the guy who was the whistleblower and make him the bad guy. In videos, officials downplayed Hodgson's warning, suggesting he might have been drunk when he texted at 2.04 a.m. Speaking to police at the training center, Army Reserve Captain Jeremy Reamer described Hodgson as, quote, not the most credible of our soldiers, and later told the Sagadoc Sheriff Sergeant Aaron Schofield his message should be taken with a grain of salt. Hodgson was unaware, unaware of the comments until the AP told him. He acknowledged in a series of interviews that he struggled with PTSD and alcohol addiction, but said he wasn't drinking that night, was awake because he works nights, and was waiting for his boss to call. Hodgson acknowledged that he faces two criminal charges, one alleging he assaulted a woman in 2022, and another alleging he violated his bail conditions by possessing alcohol last month. He's in hot water for wrecking a military vehicle last summer, he said. But he said authorities should have taken him more seriously because of his relationship with CARD, his past training on threat detection and mitigation, and his previous work as a security officer at a nuclear plant. So you've got a guy who is Robert CARD's best friend. He tells people... The best friend tells people Robert Card has become so mentally unstable, he's going to commit a mass shooting. He tells the Army Reserve to change the passcode at the gate so Robert Card can't get in, and if he shows up, they need to be armed. And the response from the police 
is, well, the guy who warned us is an alcoholic who's got his own problems with law enforcement. There's always an excuse, isn't there? There's always an excuse. All the authorities, they get to make excuses and cover for each other's excuses as opposed to doing the hard things. We are increasingly a people with those in charge of us unwilling to do the hard and the necessary things. They want to do the easy things. They didn't sign up for the hard things. When crisis comes, and only when crisis comes, do you really see the true metal of a man? Do you see their character come out, how they handle the crisis? This, it was easy to pass the buck and say, well, he didn't name specific people. He didn't do these specific things. I mean, the story here is larger than the story of this particular mass shooting, and it ties into Uvalde and so many other situations where the people in government, they want to do the hard things. The leaders don't want to do the hard things. They don't really want to lead. They want the position and the power. They don't want to actually want the responsibility that comes with it. And how many people are dead because in this situation or the situation in Uvalde, Texas, the good men with guns refused to do what they should have done and the people who wrote all the laws refused to use the laws to their advantage to prevent a mass shooting. We had the laws. We had the people. We had everything in place. And none of them stopped the bad guy with the gun. So the left solution, of course, is going to be just take away all the guns, which you're not going to do because you're not going to repeal the Second Amendment. This isn't going to happen. You know there's an effort now underway by some progressive states to try to ban um, uh, ammunition for AR-15s and claim only the military should have access to the ammunition. We can't ban the guns, but we can ban the bullets, so you can't use the guns. That's their strategy. But you know what? Here's the reality. Until you find a way to actually have the men in charge and the women in charge and the leaders in charge do the right thing that is the hard thing. It doesn't matter. There are too many guns on the streets now. Nothing's going to change. The way we change this is to get people of better character and better integrity in positions of leadership, the people who actually don't want just the power but embrace the responsibility and take it seriously. Otherwise, we're just going to keep having more of these things. Well, let me read you a filing. Uh, My buddy Phil Holloway sent this to me. This is in the uh, Nathan Wade versus Joycelyn Wade divorce case. Notice he is suing her for divorce. This divorce case was filed by plaintiff Nathan J. Wade on November 2nd, 2021. Since that date, Plaintiff has engaged in a pervasive pattern of what can only be described as a willful and deliberate effort on the part of plaintiff to withhold information and documents which are relevant to the instant divorce action and necessary for defendant to properly defend herself and assert her claims regarding alimony and equitable division of marital property. Defendant recently learned that plaintiff was appointed the anti-corruption special prosecutor for the Fulton County District Attorney's Office in the matter of the state of Georgia versus Donald John Trump et al. He was appointed on November 1st, 2021. As stated, plaintiff filed the instant divorce action from his wife of 26 years on or about November 2nd, 2021. Upon information and belief, plaintiff has earned no less than a million, half a million dollars in his role as special prosecutor in the criminal case against Donald Trump and his alleged co-conspirators. Plaintiff has not produced one single document evidencing this income. Plaintiff has not produced one single bank statement 
indicating where those funds have gone. Plaintiff has knowingly obfuscated the civil litigation to his own ends. Furthermore, while earning such substantial sums, Nathan Wade has provided nearly nothing to his wife for her support and survival as her own bank account is often in overdraft. Wow. So Nathan Wade gets appointed by Fawny Willis to be the special prosecutor on November 1st, 2021, and the next day files for divorce against his wife and then over the course of the last year refuses to provide any documentation as to his income from that special prosecution appointment. Holy cow, this, uh, y'all, this is just bad stuff. Phil Holloway notes on Twitter that uh, the lawyer alleges Trump special prosecutor withdrew money from his wife's account for his use, despite the substantial sums being paid by him or to him from Fawny Willis in the Fulton Trump case. Uh, and that caused her accounts to be overdrawn. So Nathan Wade, according to his wife, would take money out of her checking account to cover his costs and would overdraw her bank. It sounds like an upstanding guy. My goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. These people and their lack of integrity. All right. Uh, When we come back, uh, Neil wants to talk about the border. I want to talk about the border. We've got more from the border. We've also got more issues involving the economy and the inflation report. It's not good. Um, I, I played this. I played the audio for you earlier. I will again when we come back uh, from Rick Santelli that uh, the costs have gone back up. We the Fed thinks inflation's coming down to two percent, but it's it popped up last month. They still think it's going to go down. They still think it's headed in the right director, uh, direction, but last month didn't do so hot, and that means that we're not going to see probably rate cuts in the first quarter of this year. A lot of businesses were hoping for rate cuts this quarter. Probably not going to happen. Take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. When we come back, I want to talk to Neil about the border, the legal versus illegal immigration problem. Then get into this news on the economy. The undercurrents of the economy still aren't good, even as people in the administration still double down on the possibility of a soft landing. Hello, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, if you want to subscribe to the daily show notes where all the stuff I'm talking about, you get it in an email right as the show starts so you can follow along. Text DATA to 33777. You get a discount following that link to subscribe. Great way to follow along with all the information. I don't want to tell you what to think, folks. I just want to give you the information so you can think for yourself. Now, Let me go to Neil, who has been waiting patiently. Neil, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm very well, Eric. Thanks for calling. What's going on? I've been listening to you for a while, and uh, if I do uh, suddenly disappear, I am a chauffeur, and I may get uh, requested. But anyway, um, I just wanted to touch on uh, 37 years ago, I married an American lady. We were down living in Harlingen, Texas, which is right down on the Mexican border. And I understand fully what's happening down there. I did at the time work for Southwest, uh, for uh, Continental Airlines down there. And we would see the coyotes bring these people across. And the Border Patrol would catch five, 600 a week back in those days. You know, now they catch five or 600 a minute. But... 
um, being from Australia, I had to apply for a green card before anybody would employ me. I went to immigration, filled out all their paperwork, paid their thousand dollars, and then I got a, a uh, an interview um, uh, time. Well, a guy. Um, I don't know what his name was, Billy Smith or whatever it was, uh, was going to meet us at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, you know, the 20th or whatever. Anyway, we turned up and we were taken into a very nicely furnished, like a boardroom. We sat down. He sat down on the other side of the table. He's looking at all the paperwork and everything else. And then Mr. Smith or whatever his name was stood up. He leant across the table, pointed his finger in my face and he said to me almost word for word if this we find out this is a marriage of convenience we will deport you back to Australia so quick you won't believe it what's happened why is that not happening now with all these people you know yeah it it should um it, it is a willful policy choice by the Democrats and I you know yeah. I'm I gotta tell you uh, Neil, I'm buying into this theory that that they don't necessarily want them here to replace us as workers or replace us as part of their coalition. They want them here when they see the the decline in the electoral college in California, New York, Illinois. They need to get as many of those illegal immigrants there and be counted for the census in in 2030 to to preserve their voting power. Yeah, uh, yeah just, I couldn't it, believe. My wife and I walked out of that meeting and we just looked at each other and said, "What was that all about? We couldn't yeah. believe it." Yeah, and, and it, uh, it's got to be frustrating to you who went through the process uh, to watch people just be yep. able to walk across the border. Yep, yeah, exactly. The other thing I wanted to quickly, uh, and obviously there's an answer to it, all these young guys that are coming over, you know, they're obviously military age. Why can't they sort of uh, say to these guys, come over here, read this real quick. You're going to be signed up now for the military to support the United States. You want to be here. Uh, you're going to fight for this country, aren't you? Just sign here. Rather than, you know, and I say, don't want to uh, sign that. Well, guys, guess what? You just came over from over there. You've got a choice. You can go back over there or you can sign this paper and sign up for five years. Why? Why? You know, the military yeah, are complaining they're not getting the numbers anymore. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, that that was a story of the stack of stuff today. The, the army recruitment is is abysmal. So yeah, I mean, tell these guys fight for five years, we'll give you a citizenship, um, and and yeah. do it that way. I don't necessarily have yeah. a problem with that. Although some of them, I don't know that we want want fighting. Give them give them arms, and I I still think we're seeing yeah, the, the some of the sleeper cells come across. But yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Yeah. It, it it it's so deeply yeah. frustrating. And, and Neil, can I just say I could just listen to you talk all day. I love Australian accents. All right, good day, mate. <laughs> and one, one last one. Everybody wants me to say it. Um, and one last thing: uh, the Trump and uh, uh, all, all this, you know, uh, Republican and Democrat thing that came in Australia. You don't vote for a guy; you vote for the party. Why? Why are we saying Trump and Biden? You know, why isn't it you're voting for the? Um, uh, the Democratic Party or, or, you know, you're voting for the Republicans, you know, forget about the guys and the names and everything else. I, I, you know, yeah, yeah it, different it tradition. We, we may use the Australian ballot here, but we, we it's the, the different tradition of, of you're voting for the individuals instead of the party. You know, in some states they used to do that. 
I, where you you could check a box on voting Republican or voting Democrat. Texas, even up until exactly. about uh, four yeah. years ago, did that. And I got to let you go there, Neil, with with the background noise. But, you know, in this country, we've always most states by default, you pick the individual and not the party. Uh, and, and frankly, at this point, the parties matter less and less. Um, it, it, the parties at this point really don't do much other than what they, they fund the convention and they pay for the ground game in the general election. But uh, the campaign finance reform over time has just weakened the parties pretty dramatically. All right, I got to get back to the economy now. Uh, I want to play you this again. This is from uh, Rick Santelli this morning on CNBC, puts it in perspective. If you take core CPI, the actual index, which is seasonally adjusted, the read there is 313.216. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to me. That's the highest it's ever been. It's ever been. Now, remember, Bureau of Labor Statistics brings out this number. Go to their website. When did COVID start? March of 2020? Okay, this is a decent number. That means NOVA was the most updated we had prior to about two minutes ago. If you go to their website and you look at their CPI inflation calculator and you put in uh, Feb of 2020, what you'll find is it takes a dollar 19 of NOVA 23 dollars to buy what bought a dollar pre-COVID. Do it if you don't believe me. It is remarkable. We can't tamp down inflation. Now, you know the, the most remarkable part of all of it, honestly? If if we're honest, the United States is the tallest midget in the room. Our economy is doing way better than other countries. There was a report out overnight, I think, Justin Trudeau has taken a $100,000 vacation to the Caribbean at a time that people in Canada are financially suffering and inflation is through the roof in Canada as well. It is continuing to get just be bad out there. And their lectures, do you know that what the Democrats are actually telling themselves right now? They're actually telling themselves, and anyone who will complain, that it's unfair. It's actually the media is the problem, and the media is advancing the MAGA agenda. The media is advancing the MAGA agenda by talking down the economy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was in a hearing today. I want to play you part of her opening. I don't want to play the whole thing. It's a little unhinged, but you you, you need to listen to part of this. Uh, Her complaints. Listen. Witnesses, I'm glad to be back for our first hearing of 2024. In the words of Yogi Berra, it's like deja vu all over again. Once again, for at least the fifth time in this Congress, our colleagues across the aisle have gathered us here to discuss how the Biden administration needs to do more for the offshore oil and gas industry. Not for the first time, not for the second time, not for the third time or fourth time, but for the fifth time. At today's hearing, we'll hear about how the Biden administration's plan to ramp down offshore oil and gas leasing is hurting our, quote, energy security and economic futures. But notably absent from those arguments are whose security and whose economic futures. Oil and gas companies already control more than 12 million acres of federal waters in the Gulf of Mexico. Over 75% of the lease industry holds remain unused. 
To my disappointment, it's clear that we will be locked into decades more of oil and gas development, and the United States is already, including under the Biden administration, producing record amounts of oil. She goes on from there. And she actually claims that the production of oil and gases is hurting our security. Now, it is absolutely true. The Biden administration is producing more oil at this point. They can't really brag about it because it makes the left mad. But it's true. They actually are. Uh, They've now surpassed Trump. Trump had set the record and now Biden is surpassing Trump. But yet 75% of the um, leaseholds in the Gulf of Mexico are unused by the oil and and gas industry because the Biden administration also promised to eradicate the use of oil and gas. So the oil and gas companies aren't investing in the leases to be able to extract more because the cost of production, it takes 20 years to get your money back. And they're not doing it. What's notable is that inflation is higher than the the three point ever percent, whatever it is, because of energy prices. You extract that to core, get core CPI, which is up uh, more than two up, up more than three percent. But you add in energy, it's up even higher. And now with the Red Sea being blockaded by the Houthi, you, it's causing more instability in oil and gas prices. And we're having a massive, massive spike in cold temperatures headed in this country down to the eastern seaboard. I mean, just just think about this. Let, let me let me give you my weather forecast in, in middle Georgia. The high tomorrow is going to be 65 degrees here, and they're expecting tornadoes in middle Georgia. Then Saturday, it's 52. By Wednesday, it's 38 for the high. The low tonight is going to be 40 degrees where I live. By Wednesday, the low is going to be 16 degrees. Now, for those north of me in Atlanta, an hour up the road, it's going to be 12 degrees on Wednesday night. You go further north, it gets even worse. You get to Iowa, it's going to be negative. The temperatures are going negative, a massive, massive wave of cold air. The polar vortex or whatever they call it is blowing through. Now, keep in mind, the other day, those of you up in Connecticut listening, I mentioned that the natural gas terminal outside of Boston that supplies overflow natural gas into the energy sector for all of New England, it's shutting down. And there aren't enough natural gas pipelines into New England to offset that supply. This massive cold temperature that's coming could shut off your power. In Texas, I don't know that the Texas power grid is ready for what's coming. It's going to be cold all over the country. It's going to be really, really cold. I mean, Las Vegas, Nevada is going to be below freezing. It's, I'm I'm looking at Sedona, Arizona, 21 degrees. It's remarkable that we've got people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at a time of high inflation, at a time that people are burdened by these costs. She wants to get rid of more natural gas and oil, which is going to drive up the cost of energy even more, which is going to drive up inflation even more. They don't have an answer for it. They don't have an answer for it. Progressivism is a constant paradox of insanity. They don't have an answer for the solutions 
or for the problems. They have no solutions to the problems we're facing when it comes to energy. They say get rid of oil. Uh, we're going to get rid of tires. We're going to get rid of a lot of fabrics. We're going to get rid of uh, plastic bottles. We're going to get rid of a lot of stuff that depend on fossil fuels. It's not just your car that depends on fossil fuel. There's so much of our economy that does. They're never going to be able to get rid of it. It's an easy thing for them to campaign on, but getting rid of it drives up all sorts of prices and also drives up all sorts of costs. And Bidenomics just means ongoing provoked inflation. It's not helping anybody. Greetings and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, except you're pretty much out of time to be able to call in. I want to raise your awareness of an issue. Um, I I have a number of friends. Is I'm an adult kind of you you you're the the scales fall off your eyes. The number of friends I have who are uh, regular users of marijuana um, would would have never guessed. And I I make no judgment on those who do. However, you need to be aware of. Um, teens using weed. There's a more growing body of evidence that uh, people under 25 who regularly use marijuana uh, begin to have serious, serious mental health problems. Now, you can't blame marijuana as the only problem, but actually growing body of research uh, shows that there is a tie into Current strains, particularly um, if vaping marijuana is extremely potent. Even one psychotic episode following cannabis use is associated with a 47% chance of a person developing schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, the risk being highest for 16 to 25-year-olds. And higher, listen to this, it is the risk of developing schizophrenia or bipolar disorder among 16 to 25-year-olds is higher for using marijuana than amphetamines, hallucinogens, opioids, and alcohol. The high concentration THC that's available now in, in for example, vapes, uh, it's the, it, it is causing mental health issues for uh, kids under 25. And the reason, it, 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 there's a very specific reason, it's because uh, human brain development, even though your body stops growing, Around the age of 18 or so, your brain does not stop development until 25. And there's a growing body of research that uh, the high-strength cannabis that is readily available now, when people under the age of 25 use it, it really screws up the development of their brain. Uh, they profile a guy named Braxton Clark uh, from Georgia. He used marijuana to control his emotions. At 17, he was using it every day. When he was 18... He had a psychotic episode after using cannabis, was admitted to the hospital, spent the next three years sober. Then one day he tried it again, and before long, back in the hospital. He says, I lost my faculties. I wasn't making sense. He's 24 now, been sober for a year, thriving in college with the help of medications. Doctors diagnosed him with a psychotic disorder brought on by using cannabis. He's among thousands of teens and young adults developing delusions and paranoia after using marijuana. Legalization efforts have made it more readily available and more frequent use of more potent marijuana than was available 20 or 30 years ago is directly being tied to psychotic episodes. Dipali Gershon, 
An addiction psychiatrist at Compass Health Center in Northbrook, Illinois, says this isn't the marijuana of 20 to 30 years ago. Up to 20% of her caseload in patients is from those who she suspects have psychotic episodes from use of high-strength uh, marijuana. It is more prevalent, more readily available, more legal. Uh, it is readily available in a lot of states where a recreational marijuana has become legal, let alone um, medical marijuana. And if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're engaging with marijuana, okay, but you do need to understand the growing body of evidence for people 25 and younger, it's a big red flag for mental health issues, delusions, paranoia, development of bipolar disorder, development of schizophrenia is huge. And think about this. The research at this point is so compelling that kids who regularly use high-strength THC marijuana in their late teens and early 20s have a greater likelihood of developing schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and other psychoses than those who use methamphetamines and opioids because their brain is still developing and marijuana impacts that portion of their brain. Just keep that in mind. New research of the Wall Street Journal today, it should alarm parents in particular. Um, and I know a lot of people have, have, have kind, of, kind of treaded lightly on this issue, and I do too, admittedly, but when it comes to teens, big red flag out there about their engagement with this.